0: Thanks for joining us this weekend for our KZMC teaching. My name is Ryan Yancey, and I'm the lead pastor with Kingsfield Zurich Mennonite Church. Before we jump into our teaching, just a couple of brief things I want to draw your attention to. First is that on Sunday morning, you can join us as a church on Zoom, 11 a.m. Message me, message the church for the link. You can also find it on our social media platforms. We'd love to have you. We're after receiving the teaching, we're going to gather together and have conversation about what God has been saying to us through the teaching. Also, I want to bring to your attention, if you've not already heard, that next weekend, starting on Sunday, June the 25th, for those who are ready, we're going to begin providing the opportunity to meet in person. These will be groups of about 15 to 30 people outdoors on the church property, sitting together face to face to share uh, from scripture, to pray together, and again, to talk about what God has been teaching us. We will have a whole variety of safety and health measures in place. There will be uh, expectation of social distancing and all of those details in place. So again, contact me, message the church, if you're not sure exactly uh, how to to go about that. But we'll be gathering a couple different time slots, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, and 11 o'clock next Sunday morning in small groups to sit down and just to enjoy one, one another's company as we seek God together. Would be great to have you join us at any of those times. Unity. Would you say that that is a word that describes what we have been feeling as people in general during this time? These have been hard days. Differing opinions on how to understand and respond to COVID-19. We've been in the thick of some very important conversations about race and race relations. But this also has drawn out some of the differences in our various ideologies, in the ways that we view the world and the ways that we think we ought to respond to such matters. And in the midst of it, we're all a little bit stressed. We're set on edge because we're still dealing with the restrictions of COVID, due to COVID 19, that have set our lives uh, just in, in a different, different rhythm. It's been hard. And so it sets us on edge, and maybe we're a little bit quicker, as I've mentioned before, to, to lash out or to be short with people around us. These three pieces and a whole variety of other things have uh, put a strain, I think, on our capacity to live in unity with those around us. It actually feels a little bit like these experiences are pulling on the seams of our unity. I know for myself, I have a num- number of people whom I really, really love, people who I respect and look up to and care about. I can think of several with whom I have significant disagreements during this time about how we ought to deal with COVID-19, how we ought to deal with race relations and a variety of other pieces. And And, and so it's difficult. Like I feel this pain, I feel this tension in my soul as I navigate these conversations. It's hard to know what to talk about. It's, how, it's hard to know how much, do you, how much do you dig in or do you just let these things lie. And it can feel like a divide or at least the potential for division in relationships right now. So what do we do? How do we respond? There, there are two obvious approaches that we could take and I would suggest that these are actually the easiest routes we could take. The first one is to ignore the differences completely. Don't talk about them talk about the weather. It's a little bit difficult. We don't even have the Blue Jays to talk about in these days, but find some mundane, generally neutral topic that we can discuss together to avoid the significant conversations. The old advice was that polite company doesn't discuss religion and politics. Perhaps we could take that route. Our second option would be to dive into the debate, working hard to convince everybody that what I think Or you to convince everybody that what you think is right and true? Let the chips fall where they may. Relationships be damned. We're going to dive in. We're going to figure out what's true. We're just going to duke it out. Are you with me? Do you feel, have you experienced these two options? Which one do you find that you yourself are pulled toward? I think, it depends on the situation, but I think that in general, I'm drawn to the unity at all costs. Let's not talk about it. Approach. Not always, but I think that that's where I tend to be pulled. How does it work itself out for you? This is hard stuff. This is hard stuff. I've said that a couple of times, but I just want to acknowledge this is hard to know how to navigate these differences. It's hard to consider what it means to live as people of unity in this time. And it's into this reality that our text today, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 to 16, speaks. I'm just blown away. Like, here we are working through this text that's 2,000 years old. And it just seems like when we dive in, it's like, oh my goodness. Like, this word that we're looking at is so applicable to what we are experiencing today. Now, I believe that's because it's God who's spoken these words for all of time. But it still is remarkable. Verse 3 of the text that we have today, it says, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the The bond of peace. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. God's heart is that we would be unified, that we would live in unity together, to be together, to love one another, to care for each other. Of course, we all want that too. Who doesn't want the beauty of unity? But what's God's plan for how we can actually live into that? And it's important to note what the text is actually saying here. What God is saying is that he wants us to chain ourselves to one another. It says, make every effort in such a way that you chain yourselves to one another. That's what's being said when it says the bond of peace. A better or a more literal translation is the chain of peace. Now, the Apostle Paul was writing this while he was in prison. There were a number of times in the course of his life where he was placed in a prison because of the disruptive work that he was doing of telling the good news of Jesus. And it was common in these times that he would either be chained to a guard or chained to other prisoners who were there at his side. Now, of course, when you're chained to someone else, you can't do anything without it affecting them. If you want to have a snooze, But the other fellow, the other person wants to stroll around, that's not going to work well. If you have to go to the bathroom to relieve yourself, the other person has to be on board to move in that direction with you. When you are chained to someone else, as Paul, as a prisoner, was chained to others, you have to work together. You're stuck together, whether you like it or not. And so Paul uses this image, this metaphor, and he says to the church, he says to the people of God, he says, I want you in an effort to keep unity, I want you to chain yourself to one another. I want you to live out the bond of peace, the chains of peace. Now, I've never been chained to someone else. That's not necessarily an image that I can relate to. And as I was thinking about it, possibly the closest parallel that we can think of is the idea of a three-legged race. Do You remember those? Maybe you remember it from like a class picnic. Maybe you remember it from a family reunion, but you'd you'd pair up kids for this this competition, this race. And usually, I don't know, I remember it was often nylons or pantyhose and you'd you'd tie the two kids' uh, legs together and then you'd have to figure out how to run this race side by side. And it was chaos. I remember like six and seven-year-olds are just flailing all over the place. It was chaos until you and your partner learned how to move together without being completely considerate of each other you would get nowhere one kid could just book it he'd just just give her but it would never end well if the other kid wasn't into just giving her at the same pace or maybe one of them is like ah eh, i don't really care i'm just going to sit down and take it easy well that doesn't work well either if the other other uh, team member wants to win the race just just chaos until you figure out how to move together. And I remember observing, learning that it was actually when you, when you decided to count out your steps together, you bit one, two, one, two, and you stepped in unison and pace with each other, that that was a key part of being able to run a three-legged race well. So this is an image for us, a three-legged race of what Paul is calling us to, of what God is calling us to, in terms of living in unity together. Except God's asking us to do it with chains. You can cut off, uh, cut off the nylons, but with chains you're stuck. You are locked. To get together. Make every effort to live together, as if you are in chains together, as if you can't possibly get away from one another, even if you wanted. Why? Because living in unity is super hard. This is why Paul tells us that we are going to need complete humility in the first verses of this passage. We're going to need complete humility. We're going to need patience. We're going to need to bear with one another in love. Living together as if we're chained together. Making every, every single effort to live together at all costs. This will be one of the hardest things you will ever pursue in your life. To live in unity with others. And that's why we're going to need to look to God's spirit to give us what we need to live out. Unity is hard. There are so many things pulling us at these times. I've already mentioned uh, stuff related to COVID-19. I've already mentioned the conversations around race relations. We have different ideas about what faithfulness looks like. We desire to do church in different ways ways. We have our different preferences. We have experiences of gossip and portrayal uh, and betrayal. It's easy when we feel these things to run away, but God is asking you here to chain yourselves to one another, to the church, so that we can grow in the beauty of unity together. Unity is kind of like a three-legged race. This photo that you'll see was snapped while I was in Bunker Thailand, this past February. And our, our team that went afterward, were sharing our, our photos and, and, and a classic Tom Rose moment. I'm going to give a shout out to Tom here. He, as we're looking through the pictures, he looked at the, at the picture and he, and he said with, uh, with just wit, he said it kind of wryly. He said, in life, find someone who looks at you the same way that Ryan looks at Ajan Not." Aginot is the name of the pastor here. And as you can see in the photo, I'm, I'm looking at him quite admiringly. So what a, what a clever guy. <laughs> I, I, I had to laugh at Tom's, Tom's comment. In life, find someone who looks at you the same way that Ryan looks, that I look, at Aginot here. Why am I sitting here looking at Ajahnat uh, admiringly? I guess you could say. We were in the course of conversation. Not was sharing his story. And, and I really admire, I really respect Aginot. He's someone whom I look up to, someone whom I want to be like in in certain ways. He is someone whom when I'm with, I feel at home. I feel like he's a brother, and I honestly I wish I could hang out with Aginat and just follow him around and, and learn from him. I feel unified with Aginat, which is pretty cool because we're incredibly different people. I have no idea what his politics are. He sells baby shrimp. I've, I I don't know anything about baby shrimp other than I don't know, I like I like to eat them. I like shrimp quite a bit. I don't know very much about Agenot at all. But when we're together, there's this bond and there's this unity. Why is that? It's because we have this common faith in Jesus. It's because both of us, he who lives in Bonkrette, Thailand, myself who lives in Zurich, Ontario, Canada, we have the same Holy Spirit within us. And so I've felt this bond of peace. We're brothers in Christ. And it's really neat to experience this. And I really think this is a living out of the core of our unity that Paul expresses in this chapter. If we look at verse 4, it says, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Ajanot and I, even though we're vastly different, we share these things. One Lord, one God. We have the same Holy Spirit filling us. This is the key to unity. When a fellow believer hurts you, when you encounter that person that honestly you'd rather not see again, when there are people who do church differently than you or wish that KZMC would be something different, when you're interacting on Facebook or in person with that individual whose politics drive you nuts, remember, as followers of Jesus, you both have the same Holy Spirit within you. This is the core. This is the central piece that ties you together. These are the chains that hold you together. This chain or the nylon of a three-legged race that holds you together. Unity often looks like a three-legged race. Now, as I named earlier, one of the dangers of unity, or one of, one of the dangers or false ideas about unity, is that we just settle in, in order to be unified, we have to just settle in and let things be. We put our arms around one another, we sing kumbaya, we don't raise the difficult issues, we pretend everything's wonderful, and we live in unity. That's not what Paul speaks about here, and that's not true unity. Rather, Paul speaks about a unity that grows up into maturity. When you run a three-legged race, you don't tie that nylon around your ankles and then just sit down and shoot the breeze with one another. You've got a mission. You want to win that race, and you have to work together toward that goal. And that requires conversation. That requires how to do it well. It requires figuring out how your personalities can work together for this. As a kid, I was only decent at three-legged races, after I learned that it works really well to put your arms around one another to hold each other steady, and as I already mentioned, after I learned that it's helpful to speak audibly the the pacing of your steps, going one, two, one, two, so you're stepping at the same time. This is a lot different than just sitting down, enjoying one another's company with your legs tied together. My partner and I matured as a three-legged race partnership. And this is what Paul calls us to in the text. Verse 12, he talks about the people of God being equipped for the works of service so that the body of Christ, that's the people of God, might be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. You see here that it's critical that we grow into maturity to become more like Jesus as a part of our growing into unity. These are not separate issues. They work together. We're called to grow into maturity and unity at the same time. Who doesn't want to be like Jesus? He's the perfect human. He was perfectly loving, perfectly truthful, perfectly winsome, perfectly compassionate. He was God in human form, the perfect person. And I want to become like him. God wants us to grow up into his ways, into his truth. So this unity cannot be a unity that ignores truth. It has to be a unity that insists on Jesus at the center. It has to be a unity that insists on living in light of the commands of Scripture, submitting ourselves to what God is asking of us. Paul, the very one who calls people to make every effort to live together in the unity of the Spirit, to chain themselves to each other, he also rebukes people at points in his letters who live in ways that contradict the good life that God has called us to. He takes measures to say that's out of line. That's not acceptable. The pursuit of truth also involves this adherence to what God has invited us into, how God has asked us to live. And so we have to challenge each other. We have to have the tough conversations. We need to seek and debate the truth that God calls us to, and then spur each other on toward that. And the current example that we're walking through is to keep talking about what it means to live in light of the current conversations about race. And I know that these aren't easy for everyone. We need to work together to figure out how to live as people of justice, how to live as people who love others as we love ourselves. And there are differing perspectives on this. Some, I'm, it's not a big deal to me. Others, I get really uncomfortable. With the ways that some of my fellow believers talk about this. But we've got to work at it. We've got to keep talking at it. So that we can grow in unity. Overall, unity needs to be a common pursuit. A common pursuit of becoming more like Jesus. Unity is like a three-legged race. And it involves getting somewhere. It involves growing together. Sometimes when Pastor Dennis and I are talking, as we work through issues... He reminds me of the need to slow down and to make sure that I'm being considerate of the needs of everyone around me, making sure that folks are cared for and drawn into the process. Sometimes when Dennis and I are talking, I need to remind him of the need to challenge people and call people to something more and not just uh, be overly patient or, or do everything possible to make sure everyone's at home. Sometimes we see things differently. He's more patient, more caring. I'm more impatient or more, let's get things done. On the other hand, sometimes when we're talking through issues, Diane Lochner, who is also an elder with the church, she needs to remind me to slow down, to make sure that before I put a plan in place, I've considered all of the possible realities, all of the possible dynamics. Hold on, have you considered this and this and this? Sometimes as we're working through discussions, I need to remind Diane, I say, Diane, hold on. We do not need to make sure that every single duck is in a row before we proceed with this plan. And so these conversations, it's just two examples, but these conversations can be frustrating sometimes as different personalities come up against each other, but they can also be enlivening and life giving, actually exciting. Overall, We have different ways of approaching situations, of doing things, but we need those different approaches to work together, rounding one another out in order to completely do what God is asking us to do. Why is this? Why do we experience this? It's because God has given us different gifts. God has given you, every single person who's watching this video teaching, God has given you a gift. Something that you're good at, a wiring, an orientation, a bent, a way in which you view life. And God is asking you to use that gift. Because when we use it, it's used to build other people up toward unity and toward maturity. To run this three legged race well, we need different people with different giftings. And verse 11 of chapter 4 lists these. It says So Christ Himself gave the apostles the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up. Earlier on, it says that these gifts are given to everyone. Every single person has a natural inclination and it probably works itself out in the ways that you do your work and the ways that you live at home. So he lists apostles. Apostles are the people that are always dreaming about and thinking about how can we move into new ways of doing things? How can we shift into new territory? Prophets. These are the people that have an inclination to be very discerning, to evaluate situations, to be looking for wisdom. Evangelists. These are the folks that get excited to tell others about new things, new ideas. These people make excellent sales. Folk, Salesmen, saleswomen, salespeople. And pastors or shepherds is another way that we can translate this word here. These are the folks that are great at caring for others. They're very attentive to making sure that everybody's on board and everyone's doing okay. And then last in this list, we have teachers. Teachers are the ones who love offering instruction. They love passing on information. Every single one of you has within you one of these five gifts. And you probably live it out in ways that you're not even aware of. And God is asking you to use that gift, to put it into action, to help us as a community of believers, to become more unified, to become more grown up, to help all of us to do all of the good things that God's asking us as we seek to make the world a better place. So as you think of an eight legged race, now I talked about three legged race. I don't know if you've ever seen it, an eight legged race or, or whatever number where you get a whole stack of kids and you, you tie all their feet together and then get them to run a race. Uh, that's even far more challenging, but to do that, you're going to have one person who's maybe the person that's shouting out the instructions to everybody. You've got one person that's gifted with the strength and maybe they, they just hold steady to make sure they stabilize the whole row so that you don't Fall over. You've got someone who's encouraging. You might even be in last place and they're the one going, Yeah, we can do it. We'll get there. This race is ours. And then you might also have the person who's very perceptive and they're looking ahead. They're looking to see if there's a a bump in the grass or a hole that we might fall into or maybe a team ahead that's fallen over that could trip us up. They're the ones paying attention. We need everybody working together with their different gifts, with their wiring, with their orientation to help us to get what needs to be done, done together. God has given you a gift. He's made you operate with a certain personality, a certain way of doing things, whether you're an apostle, a prophet, evangelist, a shepherd, or a teacher. God wants to use that gift that He's given you to help build up His people toward unity and maturity. Unity is like an eight-legged race, and God's given every person gifts to help us do it well. So in summary, God calls us To unity. And it's kind of like a three-legged race. It's hard. That's why we got to chain ourselves together. We've got to decide, there's no way I'm leaving the side of these people that God has called me to be committed to. Jesus and the core of our Christian faith commitment to the teachings of Scripture will be our unity. And unity involves growing up together, maturing. God's given you a gift as well, to help us get there together. Unity is kind of like a three-legged race. Now, I I want you to pause and to hear me here, and and maybe this is a bit of a candid moment. I spend a ton of time thinking and praying and worrying about how we live together as a community of faith, as the people of God. I've got trust issues. (laughs) I've got to work out with God, and I'm inviting him into that so I don't worry so much. That's, that's maybe another story. But, but I think about this. I worry about this. I'm very aware of a variety of factors, different dynamics that could pull away at the seams of our unity in these times. There are family differences and relational breakdowns that go back years upon years. There's different preferences in terms of how we do church. We have folks that seem to only participate if everything fits their exact preferences. We have different political approaches. And starting next week, and then over the, the months to come, we're also going to be shifting along the way in terms of how we do church together. As COVID-19 restrictions lift or as, the, as they change, we're going to be heading into a season of a lot of transition, a lot of fluidity, figuring out how to be the people of God, how to worship together well, how to grow in faith well, encourage each other, and to share God's love Well, we're entering into a season where there's going to be a lot of adjustment. And there's a ton of potential to pull at the seams of our unity during this time. It's going to be a long haul. This is going to be a long haul ahead of us. And the way we do it is not going to check everyone's boxes. It's not. There are ways, even with our plan now, you might look at me and say, well, Ryan's been the one uh, initiating this process. There's things that we're doing that I wouldn't prefer. And I imagine for probably every one of you, there's ways we're approaching this that you don't really prefer. But such is the nature of being the people of God together. So, I worry about this stuff. And I imagine that many of you do as well. But I hold out God's invitation to you. Will you chain yourselves to one another? Will you make every single effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond or the chains of peace? Will you treat this as if you are running a three-legged race side by side with the people that God has called you to live with? Because God's got more in store for us. God is doing good things. God's on the move. He's shaping hearts. He's carrying us. He's sustaining us. Unity is beautiful. Unity is life-giving. We all want unity, but it's hard. Unity is so hard. So we've got to chain ourselves together. We've got to remember that despite the differences, it's the Holy Spirit that we hold in common that will keep us together during this time. We have our faith in Jesus at the core. We have our commitment to the teachings of Scripture at the core. We can do this as people chained together in this time. Do not let these times tear us apart. I want you right now, just as we close, picture the person that irks you, the person within our community of faith. Picture, you probably have several people you can picture, but picture someone, someone that irks you, someone whose social media comments drive you nuts, someone who always says awkward things when you're together and chatting, someone who just carries themselves in a way that rubs you Rubs, rubs you the wrong way. Picture someone who irks you. Now, picture yourself as if your feet are tied together with nylon and you're about to run a three-legged race with that person. What does that look like? And last, I want you to picture us as a community of faith. And if you're watching this as an individual, you're not a part of Kingsfield Zurich Manite Church, we'd love to have you join us. But if you're not, maybe you're at a distance, you're just exploring faith. Picture the people in your life, your family, your neighborhood, your workplace. Picture yourselves as, say, 200 people, 30 people. For the folks of KZMC, picture 200 people, all of us tied together at the ankles, about to run a 199 or, I don't know, 201-legged race. What does that look like? This is what God is calling us to today. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond, through the chains of peace. Unity is a little bit like running a three-legged race. God, we ask that you by your Spirit would give us what we need to live in this way. We confess. We, We don't have it in us. We don't. We're fallen. We're selfish. I'm selfish. We're proud. We're envious. We're arrogant. Oh, But we hand our sin to you. We know that you've forgiven us through your work at the cross, Jesus, through faith. Thank you for your mercy. We pray that you would fill us, Holy Spirit, and give us everything that we need to live this out together. Amen. All right. Thanks a lot again for joining us. Hope to see you on Zoom, 11 a.m. Sunday morning. And uh, we'll, be, we'll be sitting down together and, and talking about what it is that God has been saying to us uh, through this teaching. Take care.